Hey guys, welcome back to the Stank Christian Podcast. I am your co-host, Gavin, and I have with me... Eli Chamley, the other co-host. Probably the better one. <laughs> I don't know, it's up to you guys. Yeah, you, guys up, you guys vote. Vote, vote, vote in the us. comments, yeah. vote. <laughs> this is uh, an interview with our good friend, Jonathan Klein, uh, who's done some mission work. And we had him on because we were like, yo, you probably have a pretty unique viewpoint on this, better than us anyways, because we've certainly done nothing except for Eli. He's gone to Africa. Oh, yeah. I was there about. for nope. like 40 nope. years. I did so much great <laughs> he stuff. He was there for a couple weeks. I was there for a few weeks. <laughs> anyways, uh, we thought it'd be interesting to have him on. You guys might enjoy it. You might not. If you don't want to hear a long interview with a super interesting, cool dude that is, in my opinion, pretty godly. Uh, then skip this episode. Otherwise, uh, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. <laughs> we, we enjoyed it. So, hope you do too. Yeah, and uh, if this is your first episode uh, listening to this, then yeah, this, we're a little bit weird. That's who uh, we are. We're just two young dudes trying to make a podcast about following God and uh, continuing on that journey because it's a hard, it's a hard uh, life. Yeah. It's a hard life. The most difficult life I've ever lived. <laughs> Enjoy. Here's the interview. Alrighty. You want to get us started, Eli? Uh, sure. So what's your favorite food? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> well, usually it's food I don't make. Really? Um, I find... I have cooked for small groups of people before. And when you're smelling it and creating it yourself, it's less appetizing than like when you walk in the house and you smell cookies. Yeah, your mom just oh, yes. made. You're yeah, just yeah. like cloud nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you make cookies and you're like, this is awesome, but it's like a steady five. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, so who, who are you? Yeah, who the heck are you, dude? Because oh. we know you, but our listeners don't. Okay. So, like a short synopsis of Jonathan Klein. My middle name is David. Um, don't give out all your information, dude. <laughs> My social security number. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, born in Florida. Mm-hmm. My dad was in the Navy at the time and uh, haven't been back since. I've been uh, raised in Tennessee. 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 Yeah. So, uh, but I don't really, I guess I feel kind of like an outsider because my parents are from up north. And so I don't have a southern accent unless I listen to country music. But uh, <laughs> they're like, you're from the south? I went to Selma Hardware the other day. And they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, here. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, I know how that is. You're like, well, you know, the people you're around, you pick up their accents. Right. So, um, yeah, um, I'm 27 years old. Um, 27? I'm 27. I didn't know you were 27. Yeah. Ancient. Ancient. Very ancient. (laughs) Old, old man. I have a gray hair somewhere around here on the side. (laughs) So do I. It's been there for like five years. I'm like, okay. Just a singular one. I only saw one, so. Okay, wow. Well, I'm five years younger than you, and I have a gray hair, so. Yeah. Oh boy! This will be the one that's still around Cue in five years. Eli's, so. I'm an old man speech over here. <laughs> I'm the oldest guy in the world. It's a crown of wisdom or something. Are you a believer, Jonathan? I I am a hey, firm man. believer. Okay. So, um, believe in the crystal power. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Screw zodiac signs. Who's your favorite Sesame Street character? <laughs> <laughs> Zodiac, oh my gosh. I identify with Cookie Monster. What is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm probably Grover. That's a bit. Grover is dope. But Cookie Monster rules, hands down. All right. So, how'd God recruit you then? Um, hmm. How'd God recruit you? Do you want to expound on that? Like, like yeah. when did you become a Christian? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it'd be like 
When did you dedicate your life? When was God like, hey, yo, Johnny boy, uh, pay attention to me, you know? <laughs> because hmm. I'd say, like, how'd you find God or whatever? It's just like, sometimes it's just not that immaculate and... A little more messy. Yeah. It's like not as clear. It's more like getting hit over the head with a pan and then yeah. you're like, oh, oh, I should be paying attention. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've met some people who are like, if you don't know the date, then how do you really know? Oh and I'm gosh. just like, oh, well, no, I really like don't. <laughs> so. I'm not like that. But I, I, with a lot of people I, I've heard, it's just kind of like I had this event in my life and it was kind of eye-opening to the fact that god is real and i should be paying attention that kind of thing so i kind of i guess i kind of assume that most people have had a similar encounter i guess Mm -hmm. that's like a common factor i've seen common not that it's like a set in stone formula but like even though i grew up surrounded by christian people it's still like there was still something that had to get my attention Mm -hmm. because yeah i just didn't pay enough attention yeah, so um, I was raised in a uh, Christian uh, household. My parents were both believers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, they were pretty – they were making life decisions, like, that had consequences because they were trying to seek after God. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know if everything they do were doing was great and, you know, kosher. And, oh, yeah, they were nailing all this. But I can say they were trying. So yeah. I think I think I grew up in a pretty good environment. Mm-hmm. So you hate your parents? No. <laughs> <laughs> they did their best. <laughs> but they, like they still failed, so. Well, they're, they're human, so technically, yes. But um, So I kind of grew up with the understanding that there was a God. I mm-hmm. understood that I should be reading the Bible, but I wasn't. Um, I heard a bunch of adults being like, you know, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And I'm just like, wow, that's pretty wise and it's kind of far <laughs> off and... You know, I'm not mature enough to read this and it's a big, scary book, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it was very kind of intimidating, but like so much so that I didn't even really try. So, um, and yeah, so, um, hmm. So, um, I started, uh, just trying to, you know, growing up, I had a lot of insecurities as a kid, um, some pretty big ones and, uh, was doing some stuff in my life. 16, 17, that I shouldn't have been. Is that <laughs> so, all of us, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it, it, it's the part of being a teenager. I was perfect, so. Oh, well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, uh, like my friends would go off drinking in the woods, uh, mm-hmm. going off doing stuff. And I wasn't invited along because I was the goody two-shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so or, that's what they thought. So yeah. really, um, even... Even the appear, you know, appearing to be good and appearing to be perfect, and not even really needing, not even really needing to read the Bible or do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like I had the appearance of being a, a good person, mm-hmm. but I was pretty rotten inside. And it's like I was thinking of my sisters. I love my sisters. I have uh, three sisters, and I'm like, if they're going to heaven, they probably don't need to be around a guy like me, <laughs> because oh I'm gosh. just I'm just trash. You oh know? my gosh, dude! Because um, God was just convicting me of the sin I had in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um and. No sin is sin, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I was in some pretty bad stuff, but you know, it was all on the inside, yeah. So, and God was using that to convict me, you know. And everyone's like, "Oh, Jonathan's great," and God's like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're you're yeah. you're pretty bad." Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know, 
So, you know, it was like some self-condemnation happening there too. But like God was really convicting me of sin. And, you know, I'd grown up hearing a lot about God and that there was like forgiveness. But I I rarely heard about Jesus Mm -hmm. and my need for him. And uh, I would uh, talk to my mom and be like, you know, so what if my friends wanted, you know, wanted to get forgiven for this? No, could they get forgiven by God for say, this? Say I had a friend <laughs> who exactly. needed something. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, she's like, yeah, you know, God can forgive. God can forgive your sins. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what about this? Yeah, God can forgive that too. You need you need to ask for, you know, they need to ask for forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do. Those darn friends. Um, yeah, my sinner friends, they really need some of that. Yeah. You can tell them how to get Or tell so. me and I can tell them how to get it. Yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of a long process, probably like three to six months, um, just kind of asking my mom, trying to do right, Mm -hmm. thinking I could uh, make it on my own without turning to God, Yeah, and uh, then being like, oh no, I failed, you know, and I really need God. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, God was really laying the pressure on me. I mean, sleepless nights, nightmares, all this. I'm just like, and I sleep soundly. I don't have nightmares. I don't have bad dreams. I, you know, I conk out good. Um, so, um, and I just remember one night, like just pleading, pleading to God, pleading to Jesus and, um, feeling his presence Mm -hmm. and then it was gone. And, you know, it's like, okay, that was, that was a great feeling. And like the next day people are like, what happened to Jonathan? He's smiling, you know, Mm. you know, Mm. uh, I was working at YDI at the time. And, uh, but like something had changed because yeah. I knew regardless of what I'd done in my life, I was forgiven. Yeah. Um, my eternity was taken care of. Um, you know, so yeah. it's, hmm. it's kind of like stealing. Um, <laughs> I, I view this as like, if you keep stealing and you keep doing little things, there's uh, laws yeah. that you're going to be held accountable one day. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff I didn't want to be accountable for, but knowing that someone came up and was like, I know everything you've done. The tally's here. It's all taken care of. It's like a whole new start. And it was yeah. just like, oh, it's off my chest. It's yeah. taken care of. It's not just forgotten. It's been, yeah. it's been, uh, taken care of. Yeah. It's been so, paid. Yeah. Paid in full. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's how I got saved. I was probably like 17 and a half mm-hmm. around 17. 18, almost 18. 17, yeah. three quarters. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know the date. I think it was somewhere in April, hmm. but I, I do remember, mm-hmm. um, just that time where God was really convicting me and then having that peace. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And everything's going to be great now. So <laughs> it gets Hun- harder from there. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's something called a honeymoon phase. I think. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So, um, what led you to do like uh, the Seahawks stuff? Like I've, I've heard about that before. So after that time in my life, I was like, okay, I'm saved. I'm starting to read the Bible, mm-hmm. crack it open and cough as I'm trying to digest these <laughs> um, really hard passages. I'd graduated from homeschool. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hashtag homeschool. And I uh, started working full time. And I was working in that warehouse and... Don't get me wrong. Warehouse is great. But I was thinking, you know, I don't, I'd never really had 
terrible self-esteem. I didn't really have any ambition in life of things to do, mm-hmm. what to do. And I'm like, you know what? If God saved me, he may have saved me for more than just here. Mm-hmm. Just pulling boxes. Just seeing. I didn't have yeah. any dreams. I didn't have yeah. like, oh, I want to go off and do this. I want to go off and do that. I was just like, maybe there's something more to life mm-hmm. than this. And I'm like, God, if there's not, it's fine. I can come back here, you know. So um, my dad had mentioned it to me a couple, a couple times, and I just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm playing yeah. video games right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so some childhood friends I knew, and I was like, oh, I could just go with them, and if it doesn't work, I can just come back. It's great, you know. So yeah. I hated the thought of leaving uh, uh, this place because all the friends I knew. We're all here. So my yeah. dad my dad told me about friendships, mm-hmm. got me interested. And then because two people I knew were going, I was like, okay, I can do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I die, people are going to bear witness I yeah. died. You know? <laughs> yeah, so. so wait, uh, how long had you lived here in this church before? Uh, pretty much my whole life. So I was uh, 18. Okay. Um, I was 18 when I went down to friendships, which my first day at friendships was August 10th. Wow, you got all these dates memorized. August 10th, 2013, because it's when my life ended. Oh. Um, <laughs> and my birthday is the 25th. So okay. yeah, I was like, just made it in when I was 18. <laughs> and then I was 19. So hmm. so but, for people who don't really know about like Seahawks and friendship stuff, what what all do they do? Yeah, what is that? Hmm. So um, Friendships is an international disaster relief ministry. They're a Christian ministry, faith-based. Mm-hmm. They're non-denominational. So, um, they, if you're Catholic, if you're Protestant, you know, does not matter if you believe, if you believe in the Christian God, mm-hmm. you're, uh, please come serve. So, um, they, so friendships is the ministry mm-hmm. name and, um, they do a lot of humanitarian aid around the world. They usually move stuff, um, in ships. They have a lot of ships at a place called Port Mercy. That's and, the name, Friendships. Uh-huh. Ah. Uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. And uh, so um, they facilitate a discipleship program called Seahawks. Okay. And um, the Seahawks were like um, something like the young adults who would be the hands and feet, you know, moving the humanitarian aid back and forth. Yeah. Um, we got to go on missions or, you know, there's there's a video online. I'm not sure where it is right now, but like it's like come serve with friendships, Seahawks, and you'd see all these guys doing like boot camp PT and stuff. And it's yeah, like, that's yeah. cool. It's like also oh, you get to go sailing. They're sailing on <laughs> sailboats. There's dolphins. We don't know where the dolphins came from, <laughs> but there's dolphins, and because uh, they did a lot of work in Honduras and yeah. uh, so they got all their Africa. marketing material. Yeah. And they were in Russia in the tropical areas. So they're like. Come to the tropics and yeah. send you somewhere Basically else. Basically a vacation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but Was friend- it like that? Did you... No dolphins? No dolphins. Oh, okay. Actually, I did see dolphins. One but, time. But uh, for those who don't know, there's dolphins in rivers. Hmm. Yeah. Especially close to the there's sea. River dolphins. They're ugly dolphins. Uh, oh, <laughs> they're yeah. lion dolphins. Yeah, they are gross. So they're not the cute little porpoises. You, nose, yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh. And that was after we had like... Got our ship stuck on a sandbar. Oh, it was okay. like, at they, least there's dolphins. Aren't they, like, aren't they like pink or something? Uh, They were like a light gray. Oh, uh, yeah, I see. 
They they're, kinda... they're not from Disney. They're, right? not... <laughs> no, they're kind of gross. They're kind of they're pretty neat yeah, creatures, yeah, but I mean, sure. they were just like this. This is not Hawaii. This is not my <laughs> idea of paradise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These were not, and to this day, like all all the Seahawks in my intake were like, "Where's the dolphins?" And they're like, "Where did you see dolphins?" It's like there was a video on the internet about friendships, and they're like, "We don't have dolphins." <laughs> So. False advertising. That's False right. going home. Yeah. So it was a very structured uh, boot camp PT. Mm-hmm. No sugar, no phones. Um, you had to write your family. Uh, you had to journal every day. Um, you had about an hour of devotions every day, 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. Um, reading your Either you're reading your Bible. You have to read your Bible in the morning. So it was great because, you know, nothing like finding out what the Bible says than actually reading it no and, way uh, yeah it's <laughs> that's a good way to recenter too just be like this is what i'm here for yeah, yeah. it was yeah about left the second week it was just so really hard. yep physically but physically yes i'd never been pushed so much in my life and uh i'd done soccer so my cardio was pretty good um but it was so rough and also you know everything i'd ever known i left behind yeah everyone i cared about was not there mm-hmm. you know i had known your aunt and donna yeah but like we weren't great friends yeah you know they could lean on each other but like i was pretty You're much a stranger jonathan that weirdo goody two shoes down there yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i was a really weirdo you should see my my haircut i had that first day <laughs> so we had like two hours of pt out in the sun louisiana is probably the worst place on earth to do pt um hot and humid and yeah swampy. well it started in august and oh, august perfect, is always the perfect hot. month to start pt yeah. <laughs> i was doing like burpees on the hold and i literally had like puddles of sweat dripping off the ship because it was just so hot and it's in the night <laughs> so so you did pass through that stuff or did you what what made you stay you just remember all right so um there's this guy named steven jacobs he he was a second year seahawks so um when you're entering into Seahawks, you're a first year. Yeah. Um, we call Greeny. him your squawk. You're, you're not a Seahawk. You're a squawk. <laughs> um, and he's he saw that I was like, like really wrestling. Like, mm. should I should I stay or should I go? Should I stay? I know. <laughs> <laughs> he talks to me. He's like, well, have you ever heard God in your life? And I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> you know, God's God. You know, still to this point has never like specifically talked to me in an audible voice. Sure. And, and you know, there's people he does. And that's great. That's awesome. Um, I'm not saying like, oh, that's fake. And just because you don't hear God doesn't mean it's fake either. And I remember uh, Pastor Daniel. Remember Pastor Daniel would come around? Mm -hmm. So when I was up in Rhode Island, we went to a conference he went to. And he just told me, you know, um, be a man of your word. And I'm like, well, there's this one time God kind of spoke to me. He's telling me to be a man of my word. And Stephen Jacobs was like, well, what do you think God's trying to tell you? I said I was going to do this and I have to stay and I stayed and it was hard but it was a lot less hard because I had made up my mind yeah to so do there it. was no wavering anymore. quitting was not an option yeah. and when when quitting is an option if you still have that bridge behind you mm-hmm. you can go back you know there's you old chicken out because the battle's rough mm-hmm. it was it was really rough and you know if I had the chance to do it again, I probably would chicken out and not do it. <laughs> it was great. It made me the man I am today. Right. But um, And also, I'm like, I realized I can't quit and then two girls beat me. 
I'm going to go back <laughs> yeah. where everyone knows me. Everyone knows that they beat no. you. And these girls. So Outlasted you. Outlasted me. I'm like, ah, I can't do it. No. Yeah. So even though that's not really right, but it. Sure. So oh, yeah. Having a little bit of pride made yeah, me yeah. feel like, yeah, that's I, good. I can't be beaten. <laughs> so um, when we got in, they just got done doing missions in Honduras. And I was like, dang it, we don't get to go to Honduras. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to go out and see the world a little bit. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> we weren't like praying for disasters to happen, but we wanted anything <laughs> to happen to get us out of boot camp. Because when a disaster happens, you don't have to do boot camp PT. You get to go respond to that disaster, which is still hard, yeah. but it's not boot camp PT. Yeah. Which is. You actually got uh, a reason for it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's more purposeful. You can see the reason behind it. So we were praying that God would give us the opportunity to respond to a disaster. <laughs> Not for disasters explicitly, just yeah, the we opportunity. Don't, we wanted disasters, but no loss of human life. Sure. So now we found the reason bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's because ministry groups group. <laughs> pray for something to do. <laughs> so um, at the end of boot camp, we went to Mexico. We were supposed to go to Honduras. There was a sailboat that left before us called the Divine Wind. And as soon as she left Louisiana, she was like, there was a storm behind her the whole time. So, so two of our, uh, battalion, uh, Billy and Michelle were on that boat. They went down and they pulled into a a cove to kind of shelter from the storm, but they ran aground on a sandbar because when a storm comes in, the waters rise. So you can go in farther than you should. And then the waters recede and you're stuck. So we got a, uh, another ship ready, um, and this one, it kind of looks like the ship off Deadliest Catch, except take all the lobster cages off yeah. and put some shipping containers on there, and those are your bunks. Uh, so you guys live in shipping containers on the top of the deck of the yeah. ship? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We get there, and we're trying to pull it out, but the water level's gone down. The ship's in there, and it's been going up and down on the waves. So it's kind of created like a little bowl for it to sit in. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, smashing down, a ship's not supposed to do that, smashing down. And it's a wooden ship. It's a sailboat. Um, it was actually commissioned in the Royal Navy over in England. Wow. So I'm not sure how Friendship's got its hands on it, but it's donated to Friendship's. So it's a really old boat. So um, we're trying to pull it out. And like, we, they were trying everything they could. They had flotation airbags. You deflate them, strap them underneath the hull, the ship. And you inflate them, which should make the chip more buoyant. Yeah. And that helped a little bit. Um, they were trying to dig, dig a trench out of the... Um, they, I mean, they were trying everything they could think of. So um, we set up a, a pylon or something. We drove some really long metal stakes into the ground and then uh, put a block and tackle on it. And then these huge mooring lines, these really thick lines going to the um, bow of the um, divine wind to the integrity. And we were trying to pull it with the integrity and it would come a little bit, but then it would go back, you know, and it was really hard to make progress. And uh, so what ended up happening was a storm came through and um, everyone went to sleep. You know, the watch officers are supposed to be looking out and we started drifting because the storm um, the anchor, we put out an anchor so you don't drift. Mm-hmm. The anchor was just moving and it's hard to, pres- so the current, the wind. I mean, if you think about 
the amount of surface area that's on a ship mm-hmm. and the wind pushing it. It's like a sail, essentially. Yeah. The side of your ship, especially when it's that high above the water. It's mm-hmm. like 20 feet above the water. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it ended up, the storm pushing us, drug the divine wind out. And almost to the pylon, because it's still attached to the block and tackle. Yeah. And it stopped just in front of it. If it had gone a little bit further, it would have smashed the front of the ship. Whoa. So. Wow. You know, the next morning, Sandy Divine Jangles. Divine was there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it ends up coming out and it's like, someone's like, is the Divine Wind out? And I'm like, no, it's never been out. We were down there for like almost two months trying to do yeah. stuff. Um, and, you know, we tried everything. And he's like, yeah, the Divine Wind's out. And I'm like, no, it isn't. And I like kind of heard a voice in my head. Like, oh, ye of little faith. And I'm like, <laughs> and I look, and it is. And when a, when a ship's at sea, mm-hmm. it's moving, all yep. right? Because the waves, the wind, all the, the waves are moving it up and down. Mm-hmm. It had been standing still or going up and then back down. Mm-hmm. And it was it was bobbing. And I was like, it's out. So they oh, hightail yeah. it out of there. And, like, I think it was either that day or the next day, the integrity got stuck. What? Which is, <laughs> no. you know, if you've been out on a cruise, the ship stays still. But yeah. our ship was constantly moving. Mm-hmm. And it's a flat-bottom boat. It has uh, – isn't that deep in the water, mm-hmm. like 12, 12 foot. And, uh, yeah. And it's weird because <laughs> you wake up and the ship's still. And you're like, oh, no. So yeah. they were trying to figure out what to do. And then, the, oh you know, Brother Don and Miss Sandra, the directors of Friendships, were praying. And the ship just started moving. And it's like, go, 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 go. <laughs> so they fired up the engines full throttle, got out of there. Oh and by, by that time, we had spent so much time, we couldn't go on to Honduras. I got so we dragged the um, Divine Wind back to Port Mercy. <laughs> so that was my adventure at sea. After that, I mowed the, I was the groundskeeper at Friendships for like four years and just mowing grass out there in the sun at a sombrero. Um, nice, nice. I was over an intake for a time. I, you know, moved up to sergeant hood. I didn't really know what that meant at the time. And, you know, they, they laid hands on me, prayed for me. Yeah. So I was over grounds. Um, I'd listen to audiobooks and podcasts while I'm out there on the mowers, you know, doing PT and, uh, just preparing for the next, uh, mission. And we responded to some local disasters, but, it was just a long four years of mowing grass, yeah. which I did not. I was really good at like uh, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Yep. Um, yep. I, I I really believe in a uh, strong worth work ethic because like whatever you do, it's a you're the one doing the job. Yeah, you know everything you put your hand to, um, how well you do it, it all depends on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the tools you have at your disposal. Yeah. So and uh, if you're trying to be a man of excellence you know you need to do everything you can to, to the best of your ability because yeah. it reflects reflects on you mm-hmm. so um i did as best as i could with the, the stuff i had and we are blessed with like a zero turn lawnmower nice and nice. uh some uh steel line trimmers so i really took that up and you know ran with it and did it the best i could and uh wasn't very glamorous and uh for four years for four years dude i didn't know this like later but like the new intakes were like always terrified of me 
Well, just kind of grouchy, you know. Driving. Kind of still the same the way, but uh, <laughs> big back, black beard, and you're just like walking around in a zero. I was clean shaven. This is, this is the new addition. <laughs> oh, okay. To my face. <laughs> my sister's like, cover it up, do something. <laughs> I was really still insecure um, mm. with who I was. You know, for for a time, I had like a poster of like everything that God says you are. Like, you are a child of God. Um, you He calls you co heirs. And I just had that on my door and I would get depressed or whatever. And I just focus on that, telling myself over and over and I'd be reading Psalms and just telling myself, this is who God says I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not my doubts. I'm not my passions. I'm not, you know, getting angry. I'm not my mistakes mm-hmm. I've made in life. I'm what God says I am. Yeah. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, that was, that was a really important part of my life. Um, later, I think 2017 i ended up going over to the middle east mm-hmm. um in syria the seahawk part of the seahawk okay. still at friendships um and we um had the opportunity because they had uh, done ministry work with israel in the past the israelis really knew the directors and they're like hey there's a syrian war happening on our border and we can't get involved but there's an opportunity for y'all to um we can set up a medical facility and y'all know doctors, bring them over, and we can start helping these civilians because, you know, we still care about them even though we're enemies. Right. So I think Syria and Israel are still at war. There's n- never been a peace treaty. Wow. Like, they've been at war for like 40 years or something. Mm-hmm. There's never been a ceasefire. I think there is something like a ceasefire, but they're they're, they're legally still at war right now. Mm. So, um, so I had the opportunity to go over there, and once again— Sat on my hands for like four to six months because they were trying to find a place on the border that would, that uh, Israel could uh, secure because we couldn't have any Israelis there. They were like, okay, you got to be close enough to a military base so that we can respond if something happens. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to keep our eyes on this place um, because we didn't have any guns, no, no protection, nothing. Yeah. And uh, so it took like four months for them to find a place. And I mean, it's... It was so hard because you fly over there, you fly overseas, you go through London, and you're like, all right, we're ready to go. We've been working. This is what I've been training four years for, mowing the grass, but I've been getting yeah. ready <laughs> then you get there, to like, sit on your hands. Right, sit here for a bit. we got to figure out what we're doing. And four months ago. So what were you doing? You're just like sitting around Israel, just we had a house. eating some street food and like just chilling? We had stuff coming over in shipping containers, so okay. um, generators, tents, supplies, medical supplies. A lot of unloading. Like, pharmaceuticals yeah a lot of unloading um and but that didn't happen for like at least four months so we were just in a house in B'nai Yehuda uh which is in the Golan Heights um in northern Israel so um which is a contested area still um Syria owned that at one point at the time mission was top secret because Israel couldn't be involved and there's there's some stuff about it now um but like we couldn't really tell our parents where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, we're wow. going into a war zone, you know, That's an cool. active war zone. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know, once again, I didn't really have an ambition to do any of this. It's just like, hey, do you want to do this? Sure. Well, yeah. yeah. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, helping other people. Yeah. And uh, well, we set up a medical facility there in the Golan Heights uh, area in this on the Syrian border. And we were actually on the wrong side of the border fence, but still in Israel. So we're just on the wrong side of the fence. The fence doesn't exactly follow the border, mm-hmm. you know. 
when we got there, there wasn't hot water. You know, it was great training. Uh, stuff in Louisiana. <laughs> you know, great training. I ended up doing security work there too. Mm-hmm. No body armor. Nothing. Yeah. Just um, painted hats that were blue, spray painted blue, because oh. that was the UN color. So they knew um, they would po- possibly think the UN was there. But no guns, because if I'm, think about it, like if I'm going to rob a house and I know someone has a gun in that house, I'm going to bring a gun. Mm-hmm. But if I know they don't have anything, I'm a lot less likely to use lethal force. Yeah. So it was kind of a... You're a lot these, less intimidating. Than, yeah, yeah. yeah, I see. A lot yeah. less intimidating. Especially for the medical tent stuff, because yeah. then they're like, oh, these are just medics. I'm not going to bomb these guys just yeah. because they're medics. because we're in an active war zone. Yeah. 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 We were surrounded by like a minefield. Um, and mm, nice. You saw people walk through it all the time, like farmers and their sheep. Every once in a while, one would go off. But like, I don't <laughs> okay. know. I don't know. I think there were maybe anti-vehicle mines. Okay. Not anti-personnel mines. Uh, okay. Interesting story. So I was on security. I was, they already had a security team. And I was just mm-hmm. one of the volunteers they put on it to kind of um, be an extra man so I could take over a shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was like 10 o'clock at night. And we had just had a visitor come in from the Israeli side. Mm-hmm. And they opened the gate. The guy comes in. And he's a evangelist from like New York. He was abandoned, abandoned as a kid. And taken into an orphanage. And so now he has like, I, I don't know if he's still alive, but he had like an orphanage in New York, had a ministry for specifically for children um, because uh, God just really moved on his heart to, because um, it was part of his story. Help other orphans. yeah, Help other orphans. And so he had come to the camp because he knew Brother Don and he had had many attempts on his life, like shot, stabbed a couple times. This guy was going to some crazy places to minister to kids. Oh, my gosh. And so for life insurance, he had to wear a vest, like Mm. a vest. And no one else around us has vests. But this guy, for insurance purposes, has a vest. Mm -hmm. And he just puts it on and then puts his shirt over it. You can hardly tell he's wearing it. It's one of those Kevlar ones. Like, stop a pistol, like a Mm low-caliber pistol. Yeah, but not a seven six two or something like that. That's, no. That'll go yeah. right through it. Right through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, I meet him in passing, mm-hmm. and I'm on security that night. I go up to the top on top of this bunker, because if something happens, we're supposed to run in the bunker, hit the alarm, and the IDF will show up. We just hunker down until they do. Yeah. Because we just want to get everyone out of the camp where mm-hmm. they're exposed into a bomb shelter, which this bunker was, and. Um, wait for the cops to show up. Yeah. So I'm like looking through binoculars and all that. Don't see anything. About 10 o'clock, about an hour and a half into my shift, I'm the only one on duty. And uh, nice. I hear a boom. And I'm like, what? Who the heck is firing a gun inside our camp? Pop up and I look. And I we have these big white tents set up for facilitating doctors and the uh, people while they're waiting, the Syrian refugees. And I see like some smoke coming over one of the tents, just like a little bit of smoke. But I'm like, what on earth? And so I run down and everyone starts evacuating into the bunker. And we start counting people when there's someone missing. I'm like, oh no. And they're like, yeah, there's a, there was a guy that was, you know, the visitor. We don't know where he's. What? So I, I'm running. I got to find him. Um, 
So I go, I'm ducking under the tents and going through this camo netting and I'm freaking out because a gun was fired and we can't find somebody and everyone's running and the IDF is on their way, Mm -hmm. but holy cow, I might get shot. Right. And I'm like, you know, I don't have any body armor, nothing. I have nothing. Yeah. Just a uh, t-shirt and some pants. T-shirt, some pants and a radio that keeps flapping the antenna. I hear someone, I hear something. And so I go towards it and these tents come in these big containers Mm-hmm. Um, and he was up against one of those containers along the border of the fence. The missing guy with the vest? The missing guy. Okay. And I didn't know he was wearing a vest. Oh, <laughs> he's the only guy in the camp wearing a vest. He had been walking around the camp. Well, mm-hmm. let me finish. I grab him um, and kind of pull him along and help him get into the bunker. We lock the bunker. IDF comes, clears out. They search with dogs, search the whole area. Can't find anything. Um. And the story goes on, but he had been walking around the camp, praying, um, looking out, there's coyotes, all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And he'd been like looking out past the fence, Mm -hmm. trying to see stuff out there. And he turned around and had been shot in the back. Mm -hmm. So he, as he was turning, he was shot in the back, fell down. He had like two broken bones, a collapsed rib, Mm -hmm. but the bullet didn't enter him. The vest somehow had stopped it. And it's uh, later out. Later on, they found out it was like from a rifle. Like Dang. there's no, it had to have been like really close, because once it reaches the um, speed, terminal velocity or mm-hmm. something, it would have just punched through. And the only guy wearing the vest was it? walking outside the camp. It's the only guy who was shot. He was only there for like 24 hours. Oh my god! And in that period, the only time someone was shot was during that time. Dude. So, yeah. Well, so, wow. And, you know, he, he had a conference in London. So he like was out the next day so he could fly. And then, then after the conference, he got medical attention and they're like, Oh, you got a couple. <laughs> oh, you got some stuff. So he went to the He's conference. Like, yeah, I've been hurting after I got <laughs> shot. So that's all. But that just demonstrated to me, like God really had his hand on us because, yeah. hmm. you know, I was looking, I couldn't see anything, mm-hmm. you know? You do the best you can, right. and God stepped in, and you know, yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's a cra- yeah. It was crazy. Wow. Was- so how long were you over there in that scenario? About two years. Um, I was over there. There was one time I didn't leave the camp for six months. You know, on this piece of property for six months, mm-hmm. did not leave, didn't go out. So, um, yeah, I was over there for about two years. So what happened? The camp shut down? Or? Um, eventually, it did shut down. We actually had ISIS. Um, ISIS came by, and before they did, they evacuated us. Oh, okay. And we never really went back because also the reason we were there is because there were Syrian rebels on the other side. Mm-hmm. And the t- intelligence community had worked out a deal with the rebels saying, hey, allow your citizens to come over here and receive medical equipment. But Assad, the government, um, at that time took over that area and Assad and the rebels were at war with each other. I got you. And we were, it was no longer safe. So they evacuated us. But before that we had ISIS go by us because, uh, ISIS was like six miles away. What? Yeah, dude. And it was like, yeah, they're coming by. Y'all need to leave because you're an international Christian medical group. Yeah. International, mostly Christians. There's not Israelis, but international citizens. Mm-hmm. No Israelis there. And uh, so, yeah, they were like, yeah, this would be a perfect target for ISIS to strike. You know, 
the international community. So did they like raid the camp or whatever? Did you guys ever find out? Um, I don't think so. Hmm. Um, but I know they went by there from what I've been told. After that, we went back in when the area was secure, went back in and tore all the tents down and moved all our stuff out. And, uh, yeah. And basically moved all that stuff to a place and just waited, um, waited for the next opportunity. When you're over there, you don't, don't get involved with politics. You don't get involved with who you're actually serving Mm -hmm. as in, you don't care about where they come from. You don't care Mm -hmm. who they are. You see an opportunity to help someone in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. I think Mm -hmm. because, um, like the people we were helping Mm -hmm. were the rebels. They're the type of people who bombed the two towers. They're the type of people that were Muslim extremists, mm-hmm. you know, and to be Christian and not care about that when the world's like, no, they need to die, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You're there to serve them and exactly. heal them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here to change you. I'm, yeah. I'm here to show you Christ's love through servant, servanthood. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully God uses this opportunity to change your heart, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm here serving God mm-hmm. and there's an opportunity to serve. I'm not here. Even if I don't see any results, mm-hmm. you know, even if I don't see people come to God, I'm, yeah. I'm serving God. I'm not serving, you know, I'm a not group. Yeah. I'm not chasing fruit. I'm not chasing, you know, mm-hmm. confessions. I'm not chasing all these baptisms or, right. you know, I, I see an opportunity to help someone in need and, mm-hmm. you know, it was really hard over there. So I'm constantly, in hard situations where I'm like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And I really have to dig deep. And God, I mean, and all this is God. This is not, Oh, Jonathan's great <laughs> yeah. person. This is like, God's like, I'm going to increase the pressure. So you start turning to me again and trying to mm-hmm. find satisfaction and join me, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was great. Um, I was trying to find like, what's the next stage in life. And at that point I was a sergeant. Um, friendships is gra- had been gradually getting smaller and I'm like, there's not really a person to take my place or I would have left sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, you know, what's the next thing for me? What does God have next for me? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my friends were going off and getting married and I'm like, dang it. I want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> no, women yeah. are pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> They're pretty cool, man. Um, <laughs> That's a good way. To- so I, like I was, that kind of like uh trying to find the next what's next for me yeah and uh my dad was like you know get a trade you can support yourself so you essentially were just like all right well i need to find something a trade to do so he came back home yep there was there was an opportunity and also i was interested in a girl that i had met um good christian girl and uh and she was like no jonathan that proverbs 31 woman <laughs> well i thought <laughs> i think she was she was a great she was pretty great but i guess i wasn't right um, yep any what, what it's, no. <laughs> starts crying <laughs> what was that 30 minutes y'all had to cut out the what? tears <laughs> the just quick cut real quick little dad anyway so um so, so you, you like what you. you're doing now and all that um <laughs> someone someone asked me this recently too um i'm trying to find satisfaction yeah. and seek after it it doesn't just come to me mm-hmm um, and when I expect it to, I get pretty miserable. Yeah, same here. <clears throat> so, you know, it's hard. I don't have any free time or not much of it. Probably a lot more than some people, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm always busy. 
driving hundred miles, ninety miles every day. Yeah, yeah, fun and stuff. The stress. I'm learning, trying to learn how to deal with the stress and all that. But um, so I, I'm enjoying this stage of life. Um, but also I'm like, how can I use this opportunity to do what I'm dreaming about? What what the focus of my life's about? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to appreciate where I'm at and make the most of it. And like, I still hope to be involved in missions. Um, my goal right now is to um, do contracting here in the U.S. about six months out of the year and be able to, you know, do missions and help other people. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, the other, the other part of the time, and because uh, I'm like, you know, I might not have everything together, but I know if I'm spending my time helping others. I won't look back and say I wasted my life, you know. Yeah. It won't be, you know, I hopefully I don't turn into a person like that. <laughs> you know, my goal is to, you know, even if I if I'm going to waste my life, I'm going to waste it serving others because mm-hmm. I'm not it's not a waste. And yeah. God sees. God says there's a reward. Yeah. You know. And I'm not just chasing rewards, but also yeah, yeah, you want to you want to chase after God and and so I do you think your faith is in, like your faith in Christian practice has just been like strengthened since Doing that or, or weekend? Think? It's probably been weekend, right? Since, yeah. <laughs> oh no, so it's like no, like going to those places and doing that stuff. Definitely. Um, it has changed because yeah. um, I used to think that like, um, being a missionary. I remember reading George Mueller, um, growing up, and amazing guy. Um, mm-hmm. still inspiring. I always thought that it was a mission trip. And I think a lot of Christians in the U.S. have this idea of um, if we're going to go good, go do good deeds, we're going to go out and do them. We're going to go out and have also a little bit of vacation at the time. And then we're going to go out. And that was not my experience at all. Like I went there and it sucked. You know, I went there and I sat on my hands and I still wrestled with sin. I still wrestled with what it meant to follow God. I still, you know, in the middle of serving and like putting bandages on people, I was miserable. And I hated it to some point yeah. because my focus was on me, you know, and even in the mission, you still have to be seeking after God. Yeah. You're never going to reach a point to where it's like, it just comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, it's always a fight. And, you know, it was like, how am I over here trying to serve others? And yet I'm hating some people, you know, fellow Christians I'm not getting along with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, that's wrong. And it's a sharp wake up. You shouldn't be sh- hating people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's still a process, but like, it's like, oh, I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. You know, God isn't my joy. He's not enough for me right now. I need to seek him. I need to find yeah. that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think it shocked me the most. It was like, when I finally get to missions, when I finally get there, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be Mammy Pamby land, and it's not. It's gonna be. Green you think the grass? Pastures. Yeah. I think the grass is greener, and it's not. I'm gonna finally arrive where yeah. I don't actually have to wrestle with my own personal sin. Yeah. I don't totally. have to wrestle. Mm-mm. I can just be, and God's gonna be enough. Yeah. No. I'm, and it's like that's why it's like, <laughs> looking back, you can always see. Oh, that was really awesome. I was actually doing that. Because mm-hmm. in the moment, you're just like, all right, it's just one more sandbag. It's just the thing that God put in front of you, mm-hmm. and you gotta have a perspective shift, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to, for me, you don't want to, I've been trying not to do things for, for men. I want to do this because God says to do it. 
mm-hmm. not because people will think well of me. Mm-hmm. Because if you do your good weeks, good works before man, you have your reward. But do stuff in secret. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You know, serve God, and you will have your reward. He mm-hmm. sees. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And hmm. that's I used to have a friend uh, like when you're fasting or uh, doing good things. It's like, and someone's like, Jonathan, you're not eating today. Are you? Are you fasting? It's like, oh no, I lost my reward. Someone else knows about it. <laughs> no, I'm practicing no. my religion in front of others. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be up in heaven, and now it's down here. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> No, I'm not fasting. I don't know. Uh, now I'm lying. Dang it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. For a loser. I read this really good book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. forget who it's by. Some Reformed guy. Um, but it, it, I took it as like, oh, this is what God has for me. Like reading my Bible. This is God speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I need to be looking for where he's going to meet me. And like it talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting. And I would fast for a while. Mm-hmm. talked about the spiritual discipline of uh prayer and so i'd spend extra time in prayer and god really used that to help help me grow hmm. um but like if you want to have great public prayer well you shouldn't really seek after that but like pray in private mm-hmm. what what's your your relationship in private matters way more than your going to church and how well you sing you know god god looks at the heart it's not a perform it's it's not so much outside. I think uh, <laughs> was that book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. I think it's Donald Whitney. Yep, that's yeah. it. I read that, mm-hmm. and I took it as, you know, God's will for me. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my Sunday school teacher is like, hey, while you're over in Israel, here's a book for you to read. Mm-hmm. You know, beside the Bible to help you cultivate an understanding. Yeah, hmm. Mere so. Christianity helped me a lot. I love that book. <laughs> the Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Mm-hmm. I uh, tried reading that when I was like first saved and I choked on it. <laughs> this is terrible. Like, it's not about all these feelings I have inside. What? You know, this book is garbage. It's dusty. It's, you know, it's not anything like what I feel. And like later maturing as a Christian, going back and being like, this book is amazing. This book is so, you know, I needed milk. And yeah. You know, new believers need milk. They need they need to be encouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, later on, you need to grow up and start eating some meat and start like mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, chewing on that and thinking about yeah, you know, what it means to to serve God with your life and right. what does it what does it mean to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. You know. So, Jonathan was a young little boy, yeah. struggled with his feelings, and at and all this crazy stuff and talked hypothetically to his mother, and he grew up. He got saved. Yep. He got saved. I think so. (laughs) He went and he served his enemies, the U.S.'s enemies. And uh, then you come back to the States and you go to college so that you can better take care of yourself and possibly a family. And you go through all that. And that's a really simplistic view of it all. But looking back on that younger Jonathan, 17 years old, a portal opened up behind you right here. And you look in, and you see your younger self, and he's just sitting at the table, eating some breakfast, and you have a couple seconds to give him a piece of advice. What would you say to him? Um, younger Jonathan's looking at you, and he's eating his scrambled eggs with big eyes right now. Don't screw up, son. Don't screw up. <laughs> no. 
Uh, that's a lot of weight to put on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't screw up then. ever. <laughs> What's gonna happen if I do? Um, I'd probably, if I could help myself in the past, be more like like trust God, hmm. because I think a lot of the stuff I struggled with all coming up to uh, adulthood was like I didn't know what to trust. I didn't know what to believe in. I didn't. So mm-hmm. maybe uh, trust God and seek after Him someone like really convict me of that and put it before me mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if that entirely makes sense yeah i guess if i could have done something younger quicker you know i was thinking also i heard about this question before um <laughs> there's a saying christ died for sinners of whom i am foremost and i think that would have helped me early on because i was so prideful so caught up in good mm-hmm. you know and it's like if you're sin, if you're a christian you admit you're a sinner and you're you you failed yeah you're not a good person you need god dying on a cross for you, you know? right so i think um i don't know if i had a verse that would be the verse i would have focused on younger mm-hmm. so. so tell the younger self jonathan to be a little more humble be humble. Be a little humble. <laughs> trust God. God approaches the proud. Shows grace to the humble. It's <laughs> good. It's really good. That was our interview with Jonathan Klein, and that's it. That's the end. That's it. Bye. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, we or appreciate listening. it. Or listening. Yeah, because people still listen instead of watch podcasts. Sheesh. What are you guys? Couldn't be me. <laughs> um, we are on YouTube, and we are on Spotify, and uh, you can rate us or whatever you can rate us on spotify you can rate us really low if you don't like this podcast or you can rate us really high if you do like it uh you can also send us mail uh at gmail.com if you really want to talk to us in person and feel the need to express your feelings uh in a private manner yeah yeah to be to be uh clear email and not in person because you'll never probably ever see us never never i never want to meet you uh, you can follow us on Instagram, at Staying Christian. Uh, we usually post updates on there, so mm-hmm. we promise we won't spam your feed. No, we post like once a Month. year. Blue moon. Once a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Anyways. Thanks yeah. for joining us, and uh, stay real. Stay Christian. Bye, guys. Bye. We're recording up there. Yep. We're recording down here. Yep. Test, test, test. Perfect. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, just don't look into that light, man. Yeah, it hurts. Which <laughs> light? <laughs> don't pay attention to this light. <laughs> don't look at that camera and don't look at that light. <laughs> look into our eyes, Jonathan. Oh, no. <laughs>